Hey guys. Um, this morning is our third week into a sermon series on the kingdom of God. And to give you guys the context for that before we, we jump into it, we had a, a week break this last week for Mother's Day. And the reason why we've tackled the kingdom of God as a subject we want to look at is because um, oftentimes in our lives we lose context, right? It's either uh, losing sight of right, the tree in the forest or the forest in the trees. And I think for us, a lot of times we get so involved in our own lives that we lose sight of who God is, his power, and his reign that is unchallenged. And so just to remind you guys where we're at is for all eternity, eternity past, present, and future, we've lived under the rule and reign of God. Um, For a lot of us, we live in absolute ignorance of that because little things, little trees... (laughs) Right, are so important to us, and we think they're so important that we totally forget God. Um, we gave examples of, of mighty empires that we have looked at throughout history, whether it be at the Roman Empire, the Mongolian Empire, uh, empires that you don't even know about. Um, right now, we think America is very impressive. Right? We, we love uh, the place we sit in the world. Uh, we have a lot of nuclear weapons. That means we're awesome, I guess. So, so that sort of thing, right, that we have, and we are so impressed by when we look at God and his rule that is timeless, we're welcomed into a reality uh, that is very different, very, very different, I think, than the perspective we usually take. Um, the question when we get into this, though, is if God is in charge of everything, and if you made us so well, why are there so many challenges? Why are there so many challenges in your life? Why are there so many challenges in my life? Why are there so many challenges in the world? Um, usually the way, if you're talking to somebody, that they'll bring this up, challenges in your life, is this. They'll walk into a room and they'll go, okay, so I've got good news and I've got bad news. Which do you want to hear first? How many of you guys are good news first? Okay, we got two people. <laughs> How many of you want bad news first? Okay. <laughs> uh, that's incredible. Um, so, so bad news. I think when we, oftentimes we hear that, we don't even really hear good news. All we hear is like, oh, there's something we have to talk about. <laughs> and immediately we want to know what relationship we have to that bad news, how close it is to us. Let me give you an example of this. I know in some circles in the Refuge Church, catchphrase has been really popular recently. Vern? So catchphrase is this game that you pass around in a circle. And as you're passing it around, you have to like describe the word on it, and it's beeping. Doot, doot. And, and then the longer it goes, the faster it beeps. And, and then it explodes in your hand. Not really, but it feels like it's really exploding. Because the anxiety builds. Like if it gets beeping faster and faster and faster as it comes to you, 
You can barely think to get words out. If, however, you're the first one and it's beeping slowly again, right? The distance between you and that explosion is far. And so you feel at peace. That is a very trivial example of, of bad news being closer, far from you. But think in other contexts. Think in the context of a kingdom surrounded by a wall. And there's an, an army that has, has uh, approached your kingdom, your city, and they're attacking it. Right? And you're able to hold out for a certain amount of time. Um, but the walls weaken And imagine if you're in that city and you hear that the wall has been breached and that they're coming in and then closer and closer and closer this enemy army is ransacking the city. Right? That's that's obviously a lot more serious than catchphrase. Hopefully you can understand that. Right? Right? The, The fear and terror because something that maybe seemed far away, a kingdom or a people that seemed far away was close. And now they're not only close, but they've invaded in. And now you have no defenses against it. Um, Both world wars that we fought in, uh, as the United States, uh, the reason why we fought, because we we tried hard to stay away. We had this, for us, this big body of water, be that the Atlantic Ocean, or when we fought against Japan, the Pacific. We had these big bodies of water that made us feel fairly secure. Um, World War I, uh, for a y- year, there had been this very strong motivation for the American people to stay out of the war until the sinking of a ship called the Lusitania. And at the sinking of that ship, over 1,100 people died and 120 Americans died. But because 120 Americans died, all of a sudden it felt close. Right? Close to home. And so that became this rally cry that, that immediately the whole perspective of the nation shifted because 120 people passed away that were Americans. World War II, the event that brought us into the war because, again, we wanted to stay out of it, was Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor happened December 7th, 1941, and we entered the war December 11th. 1941. Why? Because this conflict that seemed very far away all of a sudden was very, very close to home. Um, Do you feel the conflict? Do you feel like it's close or do you feel like it's far away? I think oftentimes when we talk about the good news of the gospel, it can be something that we, we avoid, something we don't feel like we need because we feel like the bad news is very, very far away. Um, because we live lives, I think, often of avoidance. <laughs> we'd, we'd take the nice route, the scenic route, versus taking the one of actually addressing the bad things that are happening. Um, a good example of this is if you look at any travel magazine, right? And compare it with your daily newspaper, right? Look at your travel magazine. And it's like, 10 best places to go in the world. And it's like, Caribbean, right? Wherever you want to go. And then you look at the daily news and you're like, ISIS, Right? They didn't make it to the top ten list. Right? The Middle East probably hasn't been there in a while. Why? Because we, we practice this avoidance. Where do I want to go where I can escape the reality of what is happening and what is bad? And the reason why we're talking about this is because the first week we talked about the rule and the reign of God. The second week we talked about 
about how God created us good. God created us in his image, right? God created us to be together in unity. And yet something's happened. Something's happened that, that this beautiful intention isn't working itself out. And we, we in our own lives have this, this strange practice of avoidance where as long as we can, we'll be like, everything's okay until, oh my goodness, someone in my family got in a car accident. Or, oh, remember so-and-so I went to college with and they went over to war, the war in Iraq and, and they didn't come back. And so all of a sudden, this, our practices of avoidance, as if the world is okay, all of a sudden are, are invaded in on, right? Because something, something that seems so distant, and we wanted to keep at arm's length, has been brought very, very close. And so how we're going to look at this, why, why the bad news, um, is I'm just going to remind you guys of what we talked about two weeks ago, and then just kind of trace how the Bible makes sense of it all, right? How we went from a place of being uh, image bearers of God who, who had positions of authority um, to, I think, where we are, places of chaos, confusion, sometimes, like, what do we do with this bad news? So, if you turn with me to Genesis 1, this one's easy, it's the first book, first chapter in the Bible. In Genesis 1, we're just going to quickly look at Genesis 1.26 and go on through, uh, through 30. This is what we looked at two weeks ago. And then it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image and our likeness, so they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I will give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit and seed in it, and they will be yours for food. To all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And so it was. We'll go on. It says, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And so this is, this is the opening narrative, um, the beginning where God creates and he creates good. We looked at three things. One was that that you're created, this world is created. What that means is that you coming into existence, this world coming into existence, was not a matter of chance, but it was a matter of purpose and planning. And being a matter of purpose and planning, you don't need to be uncertain about where you stand in relation to the world. And your life doesn't have to be led or motivated or succumbed to chaos. Right? Because you were created, and everything around us was created by God with plan and purpose. The second thing we found out was that you were created in God's image, right? which means that, that everywhere that human beings were, were 
meant to go throughout the world to, to rule and steward and care for the world, that we were meant to be visible images of the goodness and the greatness of God wherever we went. That means that you are incredibly special. Right? That means that, that there is nothing in all of creation that compares to the incredible creation of humanity. Right? And you can see that. Because we, we get amazed at things like, like you drive across the bridges and you see the mountains. And we stand amazed at that. But that does not compare at all to the amazement I see when I have the privilege of officiating a wedding, right? And I see the the soon-to-be man and wife staring at one another, and there is an awe in their eyes that doesn't even compare to look at the mountains, right? There is something incredible in humanity that rises up that when when we set about something ambitiously and create, we do things like skyscrapers and airplanes, right? It's It's not like an ape creating a twig hut, right? Like, there's a difference, like there's like computer programming and things like that. <laughs> so so you're special. Right? Not only were you created, you created the image of God. Which means that you yourself are a creator and you're incredible and you're created with power and position to rule. The third thing we learned was that y- you were created man and woman, right? And that means several things for us. One of those things is that, that men and women are different. We need to learn how to be our differences together. But we were also created to be together. And God saw this creation and he said that it was incredible. He goes, this is so, so good. So what happened to that good creation? Um, if you go from chapter 1 where you are, just right into chapter 3 of Genesis, we're going to look at the first Uh, 13 verses, and you're going to see a decision that was made, and what we're going to call just identifying identifying evil. And so up to this point, all that that Adam and Eve um, had learned to identify was the goodness that was around them. And there was parameters that was set on that goodness, and you see those... those, um, those parameters, those laws, those instructions that God gave them being challenged immediately in Genesis 3. Where it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say to you, You must not eat from any of the trees in the garden? And so it starts by this questioning of God, right? Well, did God really give you clear instructions? Like, are you sure he didn't just make it vague? Right? And so the woman responds, well, yeah, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So it moves from this questioning and challenging of God to this place where, where God is contradicted. Right? Well, you see, God is actually holding something good back from you. Right? God, God has said this not because he wants the best for you, but because he wants to still maintain his power and authority over you. He wants you not to experience all the good things he has for you. That's what the serpent is saying here. Right? God's holding out on you. 
And so what happens? The woman, it says, she saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Okay, so before we go on here, I want to compare this with a couple things. So, so the way the serpent tempted the woman was by, was by saying, well, okay, God said this, but I'm going to show you this. And I just want to show you this, and I just want you to look at it for a while. Right? And I want you to see all the good things about this. I want you to not even regard what God said and just look at this. And this is the same thing that happens in other temptations. One of those things was the temptation of Jesus in Matthew 4. Satan tempts Jesus in a couple different ways. But the last temptation is this, and it's really interesting. It says that Satan brought him up to this place where he could see all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he says, I will give you these if you worship me. And a lot of times we look at that worship part, but the part that struck me this time is that that all Satan showed him was the splendor of the kingdoms. He's like, aren't these beautiful? The Caribbean islands. Right? He was like, Jesus, you came to save the world. The world doesn't need your saving. It's beautiful. He just showed him the good parts. Right? He's like, look at all this, these pretty things. And, Satan, and, and Jesus goes, well, I can't because I know there are deep issues here. <laughs> right? The world and its kingdoms aren't just pretty. Right? They aren't just good. And that, but that's the same temptation that is brought to us when Satan brings you temptation. And he shows you something. He's like, isn't it pretty? Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it nice? Look at all the good parts of it. And you know what our hearts do? Like Eve, she says, she, it says, she saw that the tree was good for food and pleasing that are desirable. And so what we do is the same thing Eve did, the same temptation that was given to Jesus. What comes to us is Satan brings us whatever you like, and he goes, look at all the good parts of it. And think about how that disorients us. Right? The one we talk about all the time, but it's so true. Ideas of relationships and sexuality, all these things that they can bring up and be like, right, that's why there's this incredibly profitable industry in the world like pornography, right? Or sex trafficking. Because, because that's brought up and they go, well, look at all the nice things. And the people look at that and they say, well, it's desirable. And our hearts, rather than saying, what did God say was good? What did he say was true? I want that. We just go, I want what's desirable. It's pleasing to the eye. And, and yet that wrecks us. It absolutely wrecks us. And, and so we go, why did you do it, Eve? And we're like, well, we make that decision so often, right? What decisions do we make in our life where we, we just see the splendor and you don't see the sin, right? And so immediately the result of this is then both of their eyes were open. They realized they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and they covered themselves. Then the man's wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from him. But the Lord called and said, where are you? 
And Adam said, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. And he said, God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat? See, God was like, I made it clear. And then immediately there is separation between people. And Adam says, the woman you put here, she gave me some of the fruit and I ate it. So immediately the result of us just considering what's desirable to us and going for it with our whole heart led to this fallout right, of separation. Um, what Satan presents here is an alternative way. So, so what you see as God creates and then gives a way for Adam and Eve to walk in, and then throughout the scripture you also have a good way being given to you that you have a choice to walk in obedience. We choose an alternative way. And that's, you know, we hear the word sin a lot, and I think sometimes the word sin doesn't have definition for us. It's just like this dirty word that we don't even want to hear, we don't want to be accused of. And sin, sin is simply this. It is is the result of disobedience that leads to separation. Right? Sin is just the result of disobedience that leads to separation. So, so what is sin in your life? It's those acts of disobedience that we do that leads to separation with what? Well, between us and God. <laughs> they hid from God when God came around. Right? Separation between us and, and others. Accusations. Those things that seem so pretty, but then they turn us off so badly. And then even separation between us and ourselves and us in creation. So God gave us the ability through, I think, clarity in his, in his word and his ways that he has shown us to live. To walk in obedience and to identify evil, but we don't. We, we just kind of go with what our heart finds desirable and our hearts don't lead us well. What that's led to is, so identifying evil, what that's led to for us is a place of loss, an experience of loss. And, and loss in four specific ways. The first way is this. Well, first I'm going to talk about... <laughs> what it meant for us to be created good, and then what the experience of loss is with that. So the first thing is, God, God created us to have position among creation, power to rule with God, right? We were to have a place where we lived alongside him and experienced his presence, right? So that's, that's what we were made to experience. Instead of experiencing that, though, our experience is very different and our experience is this. Our position is one of uncertainty in relationship with one another and relationship with God. Right? That's kind of the position we're in. I, like all of you guys live in the same world I do, I know. Um, maybe we think a little different sometimes. But, um, but think about it. Think about how often you are uncertain about your position where you stand in relationship to other people, right? It could just be you go to the parade like yesterday, and there's so many people around you. You don't know where you stand in relation to any of them. There's this feeling of just separation between you and other people, right? 
not just people you don't know, but think about people you do know. Think about someone you've known for your whole life, right? I mean, think about, I mean, right, parents. There's the times where you're like doing awesome and then something happens and you're like, I don't know where we stand. (laughs) Like in a moment, in a moment, our position is uncertain. And there's something about that that we know is wrong, that we know is off, and yet it's there. Um, power. We find ourselves powerless against the things around us. Where, where God created the world, and he said, see the animals, see the trees, see everything that bears fruit. Look, I'm putting you over them to steward them. And all of a sudden, we gave up that because why? We, well, we thought the fruit looked good. Right? Think of all the things that because you think look good and you pursue them, you give up power, right? And, and we've given that up. And so we, we live in a place where we don't even feel like we can control anything, right? Earth, nature, right? And even relationships around us. Our place, we, seem like we feel like we don't fit in. The presence of God, we feel like God is far away and not close, Right? That is this feeling of loss that has come from our choice of disobedience. This is a culture that is in contradiction to the culture of God. Um, This is a a kingdom that is opposition to the kingdom of God. Um, And the Bible says as much. Whereas you have a God who creates good and entrusts it to us to take care of, that's been given over. And there's these places in Scripture that are very interesting because it refers to Satan in ways that, that, you like, that make you cringe. It talks about him as the prince of the power of the air or the, the God who's at work and those who are disobedient. And then you read that, that like, that's not just unique to certain people. But throughout the scripture, it says like, and you also lived in darkness. You also lived in disobedience. Remember, you at one time were fully invested in that life of disobedience. And so that's the culture, that's the kingdom that we live under right now, that we have, we've been born into. And that's a really happy sermon. So... (laughs) The reason why, why we went from God's kingly reign to who you are, who you were created to be, to this, is that, that if we just stopped with God's good creation, then where we're at right now and going, why do people abuse one another, right? Why is there so much hurt? Why is there aggression, Right? Why, why do we need things like the coffee oasis, right? And the, the answer is because there was this shift where, where literally the, the place you were meant to have, the power you were meant to exhort, the position that you had was given up. It was just handed over to Satan because the same temptation that was given to Jesus was given to you, was given to Adam and Eve. See the splendor of it all. If you worship me, it's all yours. It describes this in Romans 1. 
starting in verse 18, and it says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God made it plain. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And this is it. It's in 21. It says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but in their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts darkened. So it says, What could be made known about God? God made it known. God made it plain. Right? Adam and Eve weren't confused about who God was. And, and it's very easy to kind of throw the blame on them. But, but think about you. I just want you to think about you for a second. And think about the times God has made himself so plain to you. Maybe moments or long periods of time of great conviction where you enjoyed his presence. And it was so sweet and there was nothing like it. And then something, something splendid was shown to you. And you're like, if you, if you let go of God for a moment... You can have this more fully. If you just forget God for a while and just really give yourself to this other thing, then you'll be happier. And so it's no difference, no different from what Adam and Eve did when we do that constantly in our lives. <laughs> Those acts of disobedience that lead to separation. And for us... For, the, for us, as we hear this bad news, this is bad, bad news. <laughs> when we hear that, I think the first question in our hearts is, well, how close am I to that bad news? And the bad news is you're real close. <laughs> right? The bad news is if the light of God's holiness shined on any one of our hearts, that would be bad news. <laughs> But the good news is this. And we're, we're going to get into that for weeks to come. And I, I just, I'm sad I had to preach this sermon. <laughs> like, like the, good, the good news is so great because the bad news is so bad, right? Like if you live your whole life just wanting the Caribbean and not living in the reality of there's an ISIS in the world, the world will get demolished, right? You know that. Yet we avoid that. In the same way in our lives, if we don't recognize the bad news, in our hearts there's rebellion and disobedience against God. That If God came, we would be terrified by the holiness of his presence. <laughs> Unless we know Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the nature of a man... So he become like us. Right? So he could take our sin, right? Take our badness, take our disobedience. This is the gospel. And the gospel means what? It's a word that simply defined means good news. But for us, why is that not good news? It's because we don't see ourselves in close enough relationship to the bad news. We avoid the bad news like a plague. Because it is a plague. The bad news is, is horrible. And, and yet, why for us, when we open the scripture and we see that God himself chose to come down as a man and take our sin and our disobedience upon him? 
Why do we not get super excited about that? Because I know that, that Daniel Frederick is a desperate sinner. That I've done things my life, my whole life, that have separated me from God. I've done things on purpose that have separated myself from God. And I, the only good news, the only news that could possibly be good for me is if that could get taken care of. And the great news is that Jesus did take care of it. So, so we're, where are we at today? Where we're at today is, is, guys, there is bad news, and I want you to know that. Like when you read the newspaper and you're confused by the bad news, you're confused by earthquakes in Nepal, right? You're confused by right? things that aren't just close to home, things that are far away. I, I was reading about this, and, and what sh- it's amazing to me, like, 9-11, it shocked the conscience of America so much, and it, it should have. It was bad. But think of how quickly we let go of something like, like the tsunami in Indonesia that wiped out 300,000 people. And we, and we have to, like, and why, why can we let go of those things? Well, I think they're kind of far away. And we need to see the news of our relationship with God being broken as news that's super close to home. News that when, when you wake up and you wonder why you're uncertain of your position that you stand in your, your relationship with God in the world, right? Why you feel powerless. Why you feel like you don't have a place while the presence of God feels so far away is because of this bad news. But this is what makes the good news of the gospel so incredible. And I, as we move into the next Next week's talking about how you can participate in the kingdom of God. How you don't have to be living against God anymore, but you can be living for him and with him. Um, That's going to be exciting. (laughs) Um, But today, what I want to end us with is is this. I, I, I want us to really know the good news is good because we have understood our relationship with the bad news. Um, Just speaking very personally, I need to know that I stand in a relationship with the bad news. I can live easily in avoidance of that. And sometimes I can live easily in avoidance of that because the way you guys treat me, right? As a pastor, it's very easy for people to think you're awesome. And I'm not. (laughs) I stand very closely in relationship to the bad news, meaning that I have done things that have made me feel like God would never love me. I have made myself act in such ways where I don't even know who I am anymore. And I know the only thing that is good is that God looks at me and still loves me, and he declared his love for me in the person of Jesus Christ. And that he loved us so much that he came to this world. And so that the world could be saved through him. And that you can participate in that salvation. So I'm going to pray for us. And I just encourage you to come to Jesus. Um, I encourage you to know the terror of the bad news. So you can know how good the good news is.
that God does love you and God does offer you a way to be back in relationship with himself. So pray with me and then we'll worship him. God, we don't deserve anything you've given us. That's good. Um, We deserve, it says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against those who, although they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God. And and that's us, that we deserve to be separated from you and and all those things that... God, we're amazed by your grace, your love, and your goodness. I pray that you will give this church, God, your church, the courage when Satan shows us splendid things that seem so beautiful that we won't be tempted by them. And we'll say no. Oh God, so we can, with pure hearts, respond to your offer of love, to walk in relationship with you again. We thank you for preaching good news to us. Praise in Jesus' name, amen.